What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Monday, May 15th, 2023. It's about 11 o'clock in the morning here on the East Coast of the United States. Ray McGovern joins us for our regular uh, weekly uh, get-together. Ray, always a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Most welcome. Uh, Over the weekend, the uh, Washington Post uh, released uh, a piece uh, which claims that um, uh, Yevgeny Prigozhin, the head of the uh, Wagner Group, offered to give, I guess what would be treason, Russian troop locations to Ukraine officials uh, in return for Ukraine withdrawing from Bakhmut. So two questions. One, is this even believable? And two, perhaps a bigger uh, picture, why do these things keep coming out what why is the washington post keeps releasing these things do they have a secret stash (laughs) of documents (laughs) that this uh, kid jack uh revealed or or released and they just keep drip drip dripping them out well in answer to your first question the answer is is it believable no okay now, does the Washington Post have a direct line into Langley to get this kind of garbage? The answer to that is yes. Um, the interview, uh, the text of which the Washington Post posted on Saturday, the whole text uh, of Zelensky, made by all the bigwigs at the Washington Post on May 1st. So right. three days before the attack, the drone attack on the Kremlin, um, where Z- Zelensky, why they chose to, to, to publish that whole thing is really interesting because Zelensky sounds like he's on some kind of drug. Uh, he's totally all over the place. And you know, it almost seems that those in the post who are willing to, to hold him up to ridicule and say, so this is the guy, this is the guy that wants to attack Russia? This is the guy that wants these long-range missiles? Well, here's, listen to him for a while. It's incredible. I I printed the whole thing out like I usually do. It's 23 pages, but it's worth it. The guy is deranged. You know, his general is Zeluzhny. Well, uh, Zelensky is Deluzhny, and it shows through all this stuff. So the answer is... I have to agree with you. I read it at at your uh, suggestion. Uh, and it is it is truly bizarre and weird uh, the things that he says in there. I mean, some of it is almost treasonous by their standards. Uh, some of it just doesn't make uh, any sense. And I and I wonder who's who's running the ship there. If he's taking some sort of medication to calm his nerves, which is loosening his tongue, uh, what are they gaining by this? 
Well, the story, I believe, is why the Washington Post would publish this kind of thing, in addition to that main story a few days ago, that we know that Zelensky wanted to attack inside Russia, that he was talking about this behind our backs, so to speak. Behind whose backs? Behind Victoria Nuland's back? I don't know. I mean, it's probably what he's talking about. But yet in this interview, he denied that he wanted to do that or he didn't want to talk about it. Well, you know, that's what I mean. It's smoke and mirrors. And this business about Prigozhin is more smoke and mirrors. I mean, the whole thing is ludicrous on its face. I mean, he would be in Siberia now. I mean, you, you try to anybody try to tell me that the Russians don't know about all this stuff if it's true? Of course they do. Why do they let him out there? Well, I don't know. Uh, I don't know why they let him rant and rave, but it's part, I think, of this, you know, this uh, smoke and mirrors type of thing where you always get before a major onslaught of war. And I think that's what we're in for now. Here's uh, Prigozhin ranting and raving. We'll comment on it and then we'll see Prigozhin issuing the same kind of warning, but in, in very measured tones. First, the ranting and raving of about three weeks. Они пришли сюда добровольцами и умирают за то, чтобы вы жировали в своих кабинетах с красным деревом. Учтите это! All right, so he's pointing to what purport to be dead bodies over his uh, shoulder. The makers of the video had blurred that out before uh, we got it. These are uh, This is a personal attack in which he names by name the Minister of Defense and the head of the uh, Russian military, and he purports to be uh, ranting and raving, yelling and screaming, we don't have enough ammunition. The reason these bodies are behind us is because they couldn't defend themselves. You want more dead Russians? Hang on to the ammunition. You want more dead Ukrainians? Give us the ammunition. That's basically what he says. Uh, is that a way, a rational way to speak to Vladimir Putin? No, it's not. Uh to Shoigu and Gerasimov, yeah, you know. Uh, the whole thing, in my view, is smoke and mirrors. In other words, if you want to deceive uh, the Ukrainians, or if you want to give the Western uh, forces the notion that, you know, they can still succeed in this, play up the fact that the uh, uh, that the Wagner group is running out of ammunition. Well, that's what April Haynes said three months ago. The Russians are running out of ammunition. Guess what? The Russians aren't running out of ammunition. NATO forces are. So the whole thing, I just, I can't explain why he's allowed to take on Shoigu and Gerasimov. Right. Uh, there's got to be some sort of play there. But the, the net effect of this is to encourage people to think, well, look, the Russians are in disarray. Uh, let's go. And that ain't going to work. All right. Here he is a lot calmer talking about deserting or fleeing or leaving Bakhmut now that all of it, but just 20 buildings has been captured by the Russians. Take a listen. Осталось около 20 зданий и Бахмут будет полностью взят. Но взятие Бахмута 
Российской Федерации не дает ничего, потому что фланги сыпятся, фронт проваливается. И попытки Министерства обороны в информационном поле каким-то образом сгладить ситуацию, она приводит и приведет к глобальной трагедии для России. Поэтому надо прекратить немедленно врать. Если вы убежали, выстраивайте новые линии обороны. Well, if this is accurate, it doesn't paint a very uh, good picture of the status of Russian forces in Bakhmut, even though, according to him, they've taken all but about uh, 20 buildings. He even calls into question, why all this death over this city? What's the significance, quote, to the Russian Federation of this one town? Where, what's with this guy? Are we paying too much attention to him? Or is he a, a window into uh, Kremlin thinking? I think it's a window into smoke and mirrors. Now, if you want to give the Ukrainians um, the idea that they can attack what's left of Bakhmut, and indeed they have, and draw them into where they get obliterated by Russian forces, this is a neat way to do it, you know? Pretend you're running out of ammunition. Pretend you're running out of ideas to, to save Bakhmut. It's all a big deception operation. As I say, what we're going to see is the real situation on the ground within the next few few weeks, and it will not be good for Prigozhin or, or anybody else. I mean, it'll be, good for, it'll be okay for the Russians and Prigozhin, but certainly not for our uh, friends, the Ukrainian forces, I would say Victoria Nuland's friends, Victoria, they, they force us there. You know, um, one thing is interesting, uh, and, and that is that uh, Andrew uh, uh, Jacob Sullivan, uh, has met with the Chinese, um, actually a Chinese Politburo member, uh, head of its Foreign Affairs Commission in Vienna for two days last week. Hmm. What's that all about? Uh, nothing. Nobody says. But you know, this is this is um, Jacob Sullivan. Blinken, on the other hand, is doing just the opposite. Uh, he's meeting with the British uh, Foreign Minister. And what are the Brits doing? Oh, they're supplying the red line type equipment that can reach 150 miles, you know, 150 miles. That's a red line, okay? And they're also, and this is really disgusting. Wait, wait, what do you mean they're, when you say red line, meaning 150 miles into Moscow, which would be crossing a red line in Putin's mind? Yeah, uh, the Russians have made it clear uh, that if you put offensive missiles in Ukraine, they go go more than the ones that we have now, which are about 60 miles, okay, the high Mars, okay? That is a red line, because that could reach not only Moscow, but some of the ICBM force in Western Russia. So this is serious stuff. So what do the Brits do? They not only supply that kind of thing weeks ago, since they already used them two days ago, okay, to hit where? Luhansk. The city of Luhansk, where there's no really military formations, it's against civilians in Luhansk. It's almost as though they're trying to provoke the Russians into them. The other thing, and this is the real despicable thing, is the depleted uranium. We know what that does. We've seen all the birth defects in Fallujah. We've seen them in Yugoslavia, for God's sake. So here's the question, you know. This stuff is going in to Ukraine now from the British. Uh, it will poison 
some of those fertile fields in Ukraine for, I don't know what the half-life is, but it's longer than I'm going to live, okay? Now, who cares more uh, about what happens to Ukraine? The British and, and our friends and, and, all, and us or Putin? And what's Putin going to do if he if he's sincere in saying, look, these are our Slavic brothers. We, we don't want to we don't want to poison their land. We're going to we're going to react to this. I suspect this may be part of the Russian reaction. The last thing I'll add is simply, you know, you know, that puzzle. Where's Waldo? You know, you look at the puzzle with where's Zelensky. He hasn't been in Kiev. Uh, so, since uh, that attempt on the Kremlin, he's been in every other Western European capital. He's been with the Pope, you know. I looked at those photos with Zelensky and the Pope, and I thought of that old joke. The guy says, well, who's that guy in the white with Zelensky? With Zelensky, <laughs> Zelensky yeah. 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 Here he is. Here's, uh, here's Zelensky and Pope Francis exchanging gifts. God bless you. Thank you. Pray for me. Don't forget it. The gift that was exchanged was a, an image of the Madonna, which is supposedly a bulletproof. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to, uh, to make of, uh, of all this, except that he is trying to go around, the, around Europe, which is where he is now. He's not in Kiev as we speak, uh, attempting to build up uh, support for himself. He managed to get $3 billion, um, euros or equipment worth three billion euros out of the germans so this is their first major cash so you said this last week what started out as a border dispute is morphing into uh, a dispute which to putin is existential and which will soon involve all of europe fair to say yes and the question is how he will react now he's been very measured uh, uh, how they will choose to react to the assassination attempt. Now, where they really thought that they could kill him in the Senate office building where sometimes he sleeps is another question, but they fired those drones over the Kremlin, right? That's a big black eye. The Russians have said, we're going to retaliate in time, in, in kind at a time of our own choosing. So will Zelensky go back to Kiev? I mean, it's been 10 days, Judge, you know, Will he form a, a government in exile in London? Like that's been done before, right? right. Uh, it's really going to be interesting to see if Zelensky uh, has the temerity to go back to Kiev, where uh, chances are, you know, you couldn't sell him any more life insurance for sure. Have you uh, rethought the significance of the uh, drones exploding over the Kremlin? I mean, do you actually think that this was... Uh, a serious assassination attempt or something else, either to galvanize Russian public support behind President Putin or galvanize Ukrainian public support behind President Zelensky? Well, we know that Zelensky, uh, we know that the Ukrainians did this just three days after that big interview that Zelensky gave, where he said, I'm not, you know, I wouldn't approve anything like this. 
And we know that the Washington Post now, about seven days later, said, well, yeah, yeah, we know from secret documents that's precisely what Zelensky wants to do. He wants to make war on Russia. So what's his game and how will Putin react? Well, as I say, uh, Putin has the upper hand here. He's in no hurry, but there does seem to be more likelihood now that he'll do something very specific. I would wager maybe against the British as well as against Zelensky, if Zelensky ever comes back to Ukraine. Meanwhile, the, the longer Zelensky stays away from home, the more embarrassing it is. Who's really winning this war? What's going to happen when the spring offensive, so to speak, finally gets underway? Um, I want to get back to the allegation, <clears throat> which you say is hogwash, uh, in the Washington Post uh, of uh Prigozhin offering to provide um, troop information to the Ukrainians in return for leaving uh, leaving Bakhmut. So I have a couple of a uh, couple of questions. Um, would the CIA have fed something like that to the Washington Post, and would the Washington Post have published it uncritically? That is, with without any uh, examination of the CIA's sources for it. Yes. And yes, <laughs> in other words, <laughs> yeah, I mean, a whole business about the blowing up of the pipeline, for example. CIA tells this cockamamie story to the Washington Post, New York Times, they, they publish it, and the, the British and the Germans publish it simultaneously, for God's sake. So you use the word hogwash. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be so specific. I would say male bovine excrement. <laughs> what well, okay. we stay in the Bronx. Okay. All right. Second, second question, uh, Mr. Bronx. Um, <laughs> is it um, characteristic or normal for uh, wartime enemies, combatants, to have a line of communication between them? Yes. Yeah. Now, whether Prigozhin. Uh, would be able to do that on its own without the KGB or its successor and other other Russian forces learning of it, that the chance of that is minimal. But when you're at war, yeah, you extend these things. Alan Dulles did that from Geneva during World War II. You stay in touch with people that you think you might be able to influence or might be able to give you some useful information. But Prigozhin is unlikely to be the Kremlin's man for communicating uh, with the head of Ukraine intelligence. I would rule that out. Mm -hmm. Because he's, he's such a, uh, a wild card. He's a, he's a loose cannon. And, you know, I have to compliment his thespian abilities. Yeah. I mean, you, those two clips that you showed, man, he's the terrific. He's almost as good as Zelensky, for God's sake. You know, he's a matinee idol. Let's face it. He can do whatever he wants to do. Uh, this, the unanswered question is why he's allowed to do this, uh, other than my guess that he's just spreading doubt and spreading reasons for the Ukrainians to think, well, maybe they could, maybe the, there's so much disarray in Moscow that we can succeed. You know, let, that let me would ask be a trap. Let me ask you about Wagner. Uh, is it truly like Blackwater? Is it truly an outside? mercenary group or is it created organized managed funded by the fsb the russian military intelligence 
and it just looks like it's an outside group. Right. Well, it's funded and it was established by the GRU, uh, the, the Russian military intelligence uh, place. And uh, we know that's how it got legs. And uh, one has to assume uh, that they're very much in touch. And that's what leads me to conclude that uh, what Prigozhin is allowed to do is simply to spread doubt, to say, oh, they're in disarray. Avril Haines said the Russians are having real morale problems and they're running out of ammunition. She's the head of national intelligence. You need something to support that, that delusionary conclusion. If um, the Washington Post report were true and uh, Prigozhin had offered to give away military secrets in return for some temporary military advantage, wouldn't Russian intelligence know that he had made such an offer? Yes. No doubt about it. Okay. Uh, one of the questions that uh, Ukraine, uh, that the Washington Post editors, and you're right, it was all their senior people meeting with him in his office in Kiev. A lot of people from D.C. were there. Uh, he even begs them, to, at one point he begs them to stop asking him questions, and they say, no, no, we just have a few more, and you know, that leads to more and more and more. Um, but they said to him, were you surprised to learn, first of all, he's angry that he learned about the Jack Teixeira uh, documents uh, by reading about it, that, they, that the American uh, government didn't tell him about it ahead of time. Then they mm -hmm. asked him, are you angry to learn that they're spying on you, that they're listening to your conversations? And he either shrewdly or naively says, I'm not so sure they're listening. Now, why would he say that? He knows they're listening. Well, I mean, who's listening? Uh, you don't have to listen to a direct line from Victoria Newland or the people that are stoking this war. You have direct contact with them through various people in Kiev. So, you know, it's hard to explain why Zelensky would answer this way. One possible explanation is he is feeling pretty high and he made no sense in many other respects. Why would we think he'd make, uh, make sense in this respect? Ray McGovern, always a pleasure, my dear friend. Thank you so much for speaking with us today. All the best. Okay, you wow. too. More as we get it. Judge Napolitano for judging freedom.